Iowa everywhere. Um, we'd love to tell you what this podcast is about, but the truth is, we don't know. The CW Pod, at home on Iowa Everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed, seedsmanship at work. What's going on, guys? Welcome to this week's CW Pod here on Iowa Everywhere. I want to give a shout out real quick to our friends at Hinterland, Iowa, August 4th through 5th. They're a sponsor of the month here on Iowa Everywhere. Down in St. Charles. This is a bucket list item for me. Get down there, take the camper, and check it out. Just beautiful down there. Fourth through the fifth. Go to hinterlandiowa.com. Get your tickets, your camping, all that good stuff today. So we're in this new, beautiful Channel Seed studio. And we're we're getting more stuff up on the walls and all that cool stuff. But I wanted to, we had Geo Selzy in last week. Chad Lysico from the Des Moines Register is not a World of Outlaws driver. But he probably could have been at some point in your life. What's up, brother? My friend, how you doing? Man, I, I, I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too. We're, it, we run in different worlds anymore, but... I know. Like, we used to we used to talk all the time when you were the editor, at, sports editor at the Register. And I was writing those dirt track columns. Yeah, yeah. I, I cover the Hawkeyes. You're all Cyclones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm more I've never the had Iowa. time to go to the auto races anymore. I know. So we used to do that. Knoxville's I, always on the Hawkeyes Kids Day scrimmage every freaking Saturday, <laughs> second Saturday in August. So, yeah, th- this part of what I wanted to like do this pod for is I think people are starting to understand it that I'm bringing my like friends on who just people people I think are interesting and. Hawkeye fans will love this because we're gonna. I want to talk to you about what it's like covering Iowa and that type of deal, but I want to kind of peel deeper on these things than just your columns, right? Because yeah. we can read that at the Des Moines Register anytime. Still a subscriber, I get it. I get the old school paper. Appreciate that. You know, I hear I that more than you would think. Really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, Gannett does a pretty good job. Like, if you're like, oh, I want to do digital only, they'll they usually give you an incentive to like keep keep the delivery, and I. I'm old school. Like I use it. Like I bring it here to the office all the time. Like, I, I don't know what that says about me, but I love the physical paper. And I know yeah. you guys are pretty much a digital company that prints the paper too, but man, I got, I'm, I feel like we got to, we, at some point we're going to go back to that. Right. Like I think people like, I think books, maybe, you know, like we like to hold a book as opposed <laughs> right. to the Kindle. Like you feel like For that sure, yeah. bookstores haven't gone anywhere. That's true. Right. No, I love it, man. Yeah. No, I, I'm sure we'll get into like media talk or whatever, but like, yeah. uh, so I have a text group that, um, you know, I sent text to or whatever. So it's like, these are like the loyal subscribers, you know? So like, um, I, I just kind of laugh when I see like people get all bent out of shape on Twitter and tweeting all the time, like constantly tweeting. And it's like, there's this whole other world of like people that reach out to you and like, say, Hey, I really appreciate your work or you hear You know, this stuff, yeah. like I saw, I read this in the paper all this stuff. There's so much more than Twitter. And I think we all just get encompassed in our Twitter world sometime. And it's, uh, it's kind of refreshing, really. It yeah. actually keeps me going quite a bit. That's um, really smart. Cause I tell our, our young journalists all the time that guys and, and gals and Jacqueline, I, I'm like, I know that's where you get 95% of your feedback. Exactly. Yeah. But 
only like 10 to 20% of the world is even on that app. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's that much. I haven't seen the latest like data, yeah. but like, it's not the whole audience. Most of them are probably in high school. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's like, you've got to be able to distinguish that. Like not everybody thinks you suck, even yeah. though they're tweeting that at you. Yeah. And I want to, I just, I want to talk to you about covering Iowa football. Yeah, I know I we'll think, get into that. But yeah, I think Iowa football is the most fascinating beat in the country. Iowa athletics is like oh, crazy. There's never a dull moment. And I, yeah, I mean, I know like both of our beats are involved in the sports gambling thing. I mean, that comes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. You know, Gary Barta retires. I mean, Gary Barta, you know, <laughs> oh we could do God. a podcast on that stuff. You got the Brian Ferentz contract. Freaking crazy. And then you've got these superstars, you know, well, Caitlin then, Clark, Spencer and, Lee, Luca Garza, Keegan Murray. And you've uh, got all these. Really, I'll just go here, and then I'll, I want to get into our our friendship and background, and yeah. talk about that. But like the Iowa thing's so fascinating because they never change coaches. So like, there's there's all these like That's true. There's all these politics <laughs> going on there because these these coaches are so powerful, and they're such massive people in these communities because they never leave. Like I my my buddy Mike Palm at, at Circus Sports, like he he's from Iowa. Okay, so he's. Mm-hmm. He's big out in Vegas, big odds maker. You see him on like VSIN and he he does a show for us here on Iowa Everywhere. Circa's a big partner. And like he always just like he's fascinated by the fact that like coaches never turn over at the University of Iowa. And it it's it's good on one end because as you know, and I, I know like when a coaching search happens and like when the turn it's it's stressful because all of a sudden it's yeah, like I'm not really sure how that goes. <laughs> That's crazy. It is very stressful because yeah, no, it's like the people you've gotten to rely on and you get to know and like there's trust built up and there's all that stuff is in our business and now they're all just gone. Yeah. And the new guy might hate you or, you know, and that's that's very possible. Like feels to me like more and more of these coaches like don't value media at all. Mm-hmm. And and many kept in many cases now, but like so Iowa, it's, it's like you got Ferentz, who is basically like mayor of Iowa City. You've got Fran, who is another fascinating figure. If you look at what For he sure. took over, yeah. he's consistently going to NCAA tournaments. But he's also, you kind of view him from the outside as like, man, this guy's just mad all the time. Um, Which isn't accurate, but we can get into that. Cr- yeah, it, yeah, it's not. I've had him on the radio show, and like yeah. he he's actually very nice to me. He's hilarious, and, yeah. Yeah. But like, if you just watch press conferences and games, you would think that this guy's like a maniac. And then you've got brands that you deal with. Like the how do you how do you work through it all? Because it it seems like a lot to me that most beat writers across the country and columnists don't deal with that because it's like these these coaches turn over so often. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and it kind of you know with Gary Barta now retiring, it it is it kind of opens your eyes to the fact that, you know, you know, he'd been here since 2006, uh, you know, Lisa Bluter since 2001, Tom Brand since 2006, Kirk Ferris, 1999, Fran McCaffrey is the new guy, 2010. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah. So he came in the same year as Hoiberg, right? And like Hoiberg's, yeah, right. It feels like Hoiberg's been <laughs> gone forever. <laughs> He's yeah. like entrenched in Nebraska. Now. Yeah. Uh, you know, after a long reign with the bulls, but anyway, uh, I don't know if it was that long, but still long enough, long enough, long enough, about a half a decade. I mean, yeah. So, uh, so it just kind of leads, it kind of leads me into the thought process of like this AD job, uh, which I think will end up being, we'll go to Beth gets probably unless seems like it, unless, you know, in this little trial run, you know, there's some 
big missteps or something that we don't expect. But um, anyway, but it's just a great, it, I think it's a great job. And I think the it's because of that stability. And I think you also have to give Gary Barta some, a lot of credit for maintaining that stability, even though, you know, a lot of Iowa fans, you know, tons of Iowa fans after 2014 wanted Ference gone. I mean, it was just so ugly, so ugly at the end of 2014. And it was like, Oh gosh, are they really going to keep him? And then of course, you know, 2015 happens and then he gets a 10 year contract and now we're on another long contract for parents. So, um, yeah, dealing with each uh, personality, I feel like I have a, a really good relationship with all four. Um, Kirk, Ferentz, Lisa Bluter, uh, Tom Brands, Fran McCaffrey. I'd say the Fran one probably developed more over time. Uh, I think Ferentz uh, had a healthy respect from the get-go. Um, and then Brands is just kind of a unique animal. And Do you ever I, get worried that you're going to make Brands mad? Uh, you know, actually... And he's going to come across the... <laughs> Uh, yeah, not, I don't worry, but no, he, no, he's not like that. He's, I mean, he, he wouldn't, what do you do mean? That. He's not like that No, I mean, he's the most intense human being I've no, ever seen in my that's life. True. That's true. And he'll get close to your face and, and talk to you about stuff. If you need to, he's a close talker. He is a close that Seinfeld he can yeah. be a close talker. Yes. Can be a close talker in a good way though. Yeah. Just in like a trusting way. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, these wrestling guys are all different. Yeah. I mean, very, like, yeah, wrestling I've learned guys this are, with Dresser, man. Like, I mean, you just never quite know. Yeah, they're very wary of. They are very wary of what they say, even though it may not, even though it may not seem like they have a filter. Uh, Tom Brands is super careful about what he says, what the messaging is. He, he's very much a thinker in that sense. So, in that way, I feel like uh, that relationship is really important because he's able to trust me with that information. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever. Whatever he's telling me, you know, could, and you know, I did a big story on him. I think it was in 2016, it was 16 or 17, where I spent a day with him or whatever. And that was a big, I just was interested, like, what's it like to be Tom Brands for a day, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and that, that type of story did, I feel like, build our trust and relationship. And, and that's kind of, um, everyone's a little bit different and I didn't get to know Lisa Bluter till later in, in her career. Honestly, um, I didn't, I was so occupied with men's basketball and football for so long and wrestling that I, and we had, you know, a great, and we still do have a great women's basketball writer. So you don't delve into that turf as much, but, uh, well, and then this Caitlin Clark thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in recent Man. years, I feel like, uh, you know, that's developed. So, uh, it's, it's good. It's good. And, and, I know you've got a great relationship with Matt Campbell. Yeah. And it's, it's not a, and the, the nice thing is about all of them, I would say, is they know that you need to be critical at times, especially Ference. I mean, he's, that's, that is a, it's really the key. Yeah. And it's the know, ones that don't understand that, that, yeah, that's where the problems always happen. Yeah. And I feel like I've said this before, but like with, with Ference, um, as long as you don't make something personal, like a personal attack, yeah. As long as a professional and well balanced, or I mean, not even well balanced, but just as long as it's a professional thing. Hey, you know, Brian Ferentz had a lousy day play calling. That's a you know, it's an opinion on anything. the game. Yeah, it's opinion on the game. It's not a, a personal attack about you know uh, him or. You're not saying he's a nepotism baby who sucks <laughs> right. and only has a job because of his dad. That's different. right. Yeah, that's different. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I, that's, and that's uh, oftentimes that's something you learn. And that's hard too in our world. I feel like in be, 
because of the Twitter thing that we talked about where, you know, I, I'll get, I don't know about you, but I'll have like somebody tweet at me who, this is the hardest part for me, honestly. And this is where I get really sensitive. Mm-hmm. Somebody I consider like a friend who I talked about to my kids and they'll tweet something at me like really angry after a game. And it, because as a fan, like I'm sure you've done this with your bears or your capitals where you just get mad, you know, cause you're, you're just a, you're a fan. Yeah. And, the, but they expect us to like have that, that anger, I guess sometimes. And like, that wasn't the case when you first started though, because people would just kind of, they'd have all Sunday to get to the water cooler. And then they talked to everybody on Monday about their thoughts on the game and they've cooled off. Well now, you know, they could be 15 beers deep after a day of tailgating and they pick up the phone and the whole world can see what they have to say. It's just different. Yeah. And now, especially with sports gambling in our state, uh, what are we, what are we about five years in, four years in? And uh, I, you don't see that as much, but I feel like that's part of like the outrage after games, like because they actually have a personal financial stake potentially. I, I would say most <laughs> hockey fans are probably betting on their own team, I'm guessing. Not if they're smart. I'm telling you, I <laughs> learned a lot. I bet against the Vikings every week. Do you really? Yeah, because I win either way. Yeah. See, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm financially, I'll, I'll gladly pay $20 for a Vikings yeah. victory. Okay, yeah. I'll pay I'll pay 10 maybe. bucks. But I feel like, I don't know, I kind of feel like maybe that's where another, I think, elevated yeah. some rage after games, you know? Yeah, it's just, uh, the, the hardest thing, too, it's like that I try and talk to fans about, and I, which, by the way, guys like you and me, we've talked, we love fans. Like, we appreciate fans. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be employed if it weren't for fans. Yeah, we're not talking down to fans. Not at all. Um, our job, though, like when you're in a press conference. Oh yeah, yeah. When you get the ask the hard questions, and that's such a like. First of all, a press conference is the most unnatural way to do any of this. Like where you've got this one guy or gal up on this pulpit looking down, and then the people. I, I mean, if if anybody's gone to like photography school, right? When you shoot up. It's supposed to show power, right? And then, like, you've got the little minions that are us little journalists. Hey, idiot, why did you call that on third and two? Like, yeah. we can't do that professionally because then you... Well, what are they going to say? Well, that and, like, what good does it do? Yeah. Like, it's just not how you treat people. I would hope that your boss doesn't treat you like that if you're, a, let's say, you're an engineer or whatever. It's just not how you're supposed to talk to people. And it's it's a game at the end of the day. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. And... But it's it, it is challenging now because again, Chad, when you started, you didn't have people tweeting at you, calling you a softy because you didn't yell at the coach after the game, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember back covering the Hawkeyes uh, for the Cedar Rapids Gazette in the late '90s, and like you know, we we would go to like um, you know the Iowa Indiana road game, and I would write a sidebar <laughs> for print. And it's just like, that's it. That's it. One, one sidebar. And then you're done. Yeah. Now you get to drive back. There's no video there. uh, And that's not a complaint of what it is now. It's just like totally different thing. And that was just 25 years ago, you know? Um, So uh, also the Kirk Ferentz era, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. No, this is year 25. I remember Ferentz's first game. I, I remember I was a huge Hawkeye fan back then. I was a little kid. I I, I thrilled was, by Nebraska their first game. By the way, now I was there. Yeah, I was, was there. Crazy. Yeah, 
Um, and then his first win was also the date that they honored Hayden Fry against Northern Illinois. It was 17 to 10, I want to say. It's 24-3. to 24 to I was close. Yeah. yeah. Or 24 nothing might have been. It was, it was one a, of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, LeVar Wood scored a touchdown. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't and realize he's the, he's the special teams coordinator. So, okay, so this draws me back to, I want to thank our friends real quick from Channel Seed. We're in the Channel Seed Studios. Uh, channel.com. They do marketing really well. The, this is um, this is not your grandpa's seed company. Check them out at channel.com. Huge partner of what everything we're doing here at Iowa Everywhere. You grew up in Iowa City, right? Yeah. Uh, so does that help you on this beat? Like the fact that you've got the, I mean, you've got your finger on the pulse of that community and university pretty well. Does that help you when it comes to relating to these people? Because you've been there for so long. Uh, yeah. I don't know what they're thinking, but I just know that uh, having grown up um, around Iowa football, uh, I remember my first game I went to was in 1983 against Northwestern. It was a, it was a blowout game. Chuck Long was the quarterback. Um, and, uh, but so I just, I just, it was around me. My parents have been season ticket holders since the seventies. So I'm familiar with Iowa football. I can, you know, we, in our house, we had like, they used to make these glasses, like cocktail glasses, but they're not, um, you know, my parents weren't drinkers or anything like that, but like glasses that had the scores on them from, from the previous season. So it'd like say like, you know, 1982 Rose Bowl. You know, you know what? I, I do yeah. because when my uncle Dick died, he yeah. took me to games his my whole childhood. So I went to every game with, um, he pretty much left me everything because he didn't have a kid. And I... I have dozens of those glasses. They're yeah. rocks glasses. Yeah. And like to yeah. to like a diehard Iowa fan out there, because I I've had a hard time. It's like I don't really need them. Yeah. But they're freaking awesome. Like I don't really want to sell them because, but I bet they could go for a lot of money. They're, it's like Rose Bowl 1982 yeah. with the score and like the score of every game. It's There's amazing. Like, and so like I feel like. Like, I have a really good mind for numbers anyway. I ended up being a stats major. But, uh, like, I just remember this. I can remember the scores of, like, almost every game in the 80s, and I don't – I can't remember the score from the 2019 game against two overs, you know. If you but, tell me an Iowa State football game in the last 20 years, I'll tell you what I did that night. Sure. That's how yeah. my mind works. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I went to Patty's. Yeah. You know, or I, sure. I can tell you, like, from college. I'm like, well, that's the night that he got really drunk and we had to call the ambulance. <laughs> So anyway, I, I guess uh, the long-winded answer to your question is like, I feel like I have a knowledge base of Iowa football that spans now 40 years, I guess. 40 years pretty much since my first It's game. invaluable. And so I just know the history. I know the evolution. I know the um, – I just know the team. and I know the players. Like you can bring up a player and all you know, from that era and it's easy to remember, you know. So like – I feel like just that institutional knowledge helps maybe, but I don't know if like growing up in Iowa city helps, you know, uh, like relationship wise. I'll tell you where I think it helps. Okay, go and ahead. I read everything you write. I don't think I've missed one of your columns. And when did you start being a columnist? When, what year was that? Let's see. So, uh, Rick Brown's last season was 15 season. Um, his, his last game was the big 10 championship game. So oh. I was the beat writer that year. Got it. Um, in 15, end of 14, 15. And then he retired, so I became the columnist after that. And then Mark Emmer joined I, me after that. I think it matters because of this. And 
so I on my eight years on KXNO, so it's mm. it's daily chronicling of like you're talking for three hours, okay? And I had to really like, I mean, I was still an Iowa State guy. Everybody knows that I'm an Iowa State guy. I don't ever try and hide that. Mm-hmm. But I also like to an extent have this historical mm-hmm. view of Iowa football, right? Like I, I, I know I'm past it now, but for a long time, I always said I've been to more games in Kinnick than I had Jack Trice because for 18 years, we went to every one, mm-hmm. right? But now I'm pretty sure I've caught up on the other end at this point. I always tell people you got to see the darkness before you see the light. That's generally how it, how it goes. Um, the most perplexing season that I've ever experienced in my life was the one two years ago when Iowa won 10 games. Um, yeah. And like everybody was just pissed. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was just mad. Like they could win a game by, you know, 13 and cover. And on Monday, like all our show was, was mad Hawkeye fans. I think where it helps you is because you have the perspective to look past the here and now, right? You have this, you've got what, 40 years, you said? You've well, got 40 not, years not in of journalism, but yeah, but you've got 40 years of knowledge games, on the yeah. Hawkeyes that you bring into every column. Like that's invaluable. Like if you, um, I know that you guys are hiring um, somebody new to replace Kennington Smith, who look forward to read. I've already read his stuff in the athletic, phenomenal talent. Um, but like whoever you bring in, let's say it's an outsider. I don't I have no idea who it's gonna be, but like it's gonna take them a while to build up that perspective. Like you've got 40 years of it. Like I didn't ever really, to be honest, feel comfortable in my own skin with the Iowa State thing until I was like 10 years into it. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you understand the culture more and you you know you know what I mean? So I give yourself a little credit. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate it. I appreciate me just talking you up here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll come on every week. If you <laughs> invite want. you into the channel seat studio. <laughs> and I just tell you how great you are. No, the, no I, I mean, I was I thinking think it matters. So like here, yeah, I was thinking about that because, uh, I was thinking, so, uh, I love Travis Hines. He covers the cyclones. Yeah. He works for us. Uh, and I like when the opening came up, I was like, God, I would love to like, like, it'd be kind of cool if Travis came over and covered the Hawkeyes. But I was also thinking about, I never, it never be, we never, never, never became a serious conversation or anything like that. Yeah. But I just, I like Travis's work. He's a great guy. Really good, yeah. Um, but I was thinking, if he did that in today's day and age, it would take a while for him to ingratiate himself with Iowa fans. You know, like how long would it take? Do you think? Let's say you came to cover the Hawks with oh. me. Like, how long would it take? It would honestly. Ha- like, how long do you think it would take until like? you had buy-in from Iowa fans, which you kind of need anymore in journalism in a way. Okay, so I've experienced this firsthand. When I started at KXNO, every Iowa fan hated me. I would say by the time I was done eight years later, 50% of them hated me. Okay. So (laughs) my point is that's almost a decade. You're you're super fair, like beyond fair. I I try, you know, and and, and it's it's actually a thing too. It's like where, you know, Iowa State's kind of like my kid. Where you're you're harder on your own kids sometimes than you are. Yeah. The does that make sense? Because I yeah. you you kind of feel guarded, like, well, I'm trying to like show these Iowa fans that I can be fair, mm-hmm. and you know if I just come out throwing flamethrowers from day one, you know, and this is not the style I do. I'm not a shock jock. It's not mm-hmm. that type of a deal. But I I do think let's and let's just use you as an example. You've been covering Iowa. If you would come over to, if you and Peterson switch beats. Like the register used to. Yeah. Now, in today's landscape, 
50 percent you would never win them over and it's just because yeah. you wouldn't and it has nothing to do with you it's just because we're all so tribalistic now right just in society like i just it's it's just changed because that's what you guys used to do. It'd be like, oh, we got Andrew Lowe, and Peterson for two years, and then it would be Rick Brown and mm-hmm. you know Mark Hansen or whoever. And yeah, but I, I think you're doing it right now, where yeah, you've got definitely. the people just staying in. Like to me, that makes more sense in 2023, for sure. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, yeah, I think it's good. It's uh, it, it makes me think about things a little bit differently. I mean, just. Cause you do, so you have to like, uh, like I, I'm really careful as a columnist. Like I know that I'm supposed to be like bombastic and just like the, you know, just like we talked about and Scott Doctorman of the athletic, he, you know, he compares it to, you know, the fans want you to be Tom Cruise and a few good men, you know, you can't handle <laughs> the truth yeah. and standing up to that, you know, yeah, that's good. Uh, and uh, that's, that's not, I just still have to be kind of more who I am. And that's just not me. Like, I'm not like, I'm not like the skip Bayless type. Like, no. and I know, I don't know, maybe some people want me to be or want you gotta be, to be that. That's you just, gotta be authentic. Yeah. And so, um, uh, that's, I feel like where my strengths have been, at least in my, in my perception from readers is just, uh, even like, uh, okay, good example. Like when Gary Barter retired, I wrote a pretty detailed column and it was, you know, I went through the good stuff he did and the bad stuff he that is you were chronicling it. Yeah, it was, and I got a lot of feedback. Like I've never been a Barta fan, but that was really you know I'm glad you pointed out the good stuff he did too. Yeah, you know there's some people like he's the worst ever. You know, (laughs) which Which, is fine. Yeah, maybe maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe in Europe, but like he didn't. He's not all bad. Like none of these people are just all horrible. Yeah, it was just. I guess that's kind of where except Gene Chizik. I tried. Uh, I feel like that's where I've really tried to lay my brand, I guess, so to speak. Um, covering it's the very being understated fair, opinions, fair, which yeah. is great. And my, yeah, I definitely it, put my opinions in there. It's what you makes have you to stand out. It. Yeah, you, to, you can't. It's not like you're not just giving the middle finger, right? I'm not. Maybe you're subtly giving to. the middle finger. <laughs> no, I. I feel that's like, why you stand out to me, though. Yeah. So keep. Well, I appreciate it. I, I mean appreciate that. It. the The Brian Ferentz deal is just the wildest. Like now we got this contract mm-hmm. where he's got a the Gary Barta parting gift. Oh my god! Like it's just, <laughs> it's the gift Where's, that keeps on giving. I texted Hassel when this happened. I was like, "Yes, we got a year of content." I'm like, "We're gonna have people making like charts. We're gonna have little." Um. This is a hard story to cover. Like when you talk about the the personal aspect, don't make it personal. Well, you're a dad. I'm a dad. Like anytime, like it, it's hard when it's your kid to not take things personally. And I, I don't know Kirk very well. He's been very good to me when I have been around him. Um, by the way, Iowa football, like I got nothing to respect for. When we when we were in Iowa City a lot for my daughter, like Iowa football reached out to me and told me if I ever needed an office, like like they're fantastic. So you're not gonna hear me personally go after any of these guys. Um, but I could see like how this gets messy because it's it is a father-son thing. And I could also see it on the basketball side, like, you know, 
when it's your kid being criticized, you you can go to a different level. How do you think Kirk handles that? Like when people criticize the play calling, does he can he compartmentalize that? How do you go about that? Um, yeah, I, I do think that uh, I can't remember how I've written this exactly, but or talked about it on the radio shows. Um, but I think if if Brian, I, I think objectively speaking, I feel like you have to get come to the conclusion that if Brian was not his son, there would have been something different done at offensive coordinator, I feel like. Now, he's never fired an offensive coordinator, and he's proud of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but let's be honest. I mean, Greg Davis had to have been <laughs> nudged out of the door. Come on, After Greg. 2016, <laughs> after they had C.J. Beathard, who's an NFL quarterback and couldn't that, complete a 4 That pass. season was mad. That was another crazy season, by the way, that 16. And then season. you had Rudock go to Michigan, and he's like a totally different guy. Yeah, I mean, Rudock was good. I mean, they, they just had to make a change. But anyway, uh, and Beathard was... Um, by the way, it's, I don't know if we'll get into this, but Cade McNamara has a presence that I haven't seen from an Iowa quarterback since C.J. Beathard in 15. So I feel pretty optimistic about the quarterback position. Well, yeah, I'm more, actually... More bravado, swagger, that type of thing. I'm leading into that because I but guess anyway. we're, where I kind of wanted to go with all this and, and then we can do the Brian thing is like... So, I mean, I've said for years, going, who's the kid? Oliver Martin. Yeah. Ross and I did this whole, like, I, I give Ross Peterson the most credit in the world. He's a, he's just a fan. Like Ross is yeah. like, I'm not a journalist. Like he's just a fan. What do I love about him? Um, Ross said the whole time, it doesn't matter. Like when all we're getting calls about Oliver Martin nonstop, he's like, it doesn't matter. It's the Ferentz is calling the plays. Like it doesn't matter. So my question is, so they've hit the portal and done really well. I mean, Iowa on offense, at least like had one of the great portal off seasons, I think. Yeah. Like, so I, does it matter? What they needed. <laughs> like, does it matter? Yeah. Like, cause I, in my, like just football opinion, like there were so many missed throws last year that were, I don't think they would have averaged 30 points, but I think with competence at quarterback, I think yeah. that you average at least seven more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's gotta be an uptick, but like, will they change or is the, mm-hmm. is the talent that good where it's going to be able to push it past what they'd like to do? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sold on the, you know, talent being that good that it's just going to be so much better. But I do think that the, I think the opinion of Kirk and Brian Ferentz, and this is reading between the lines and reading the lines, um, is that they did not have good enough quarterback play last year or good enough offensive line play. And basically in not so many words, like, no offensive coordinator can succeed if you don't have a good quarterback and good offensive line, which is true. I mean, it is true. Uh, it's actually kind of a miracle that they did win eight games uh, with the offense that they had. Now they did have the number one number one defense in the country. Joel and Parker's that's why, pretty good at this yeah, job. Yeah, and that's why it's so frustrating to Iowa fans. That they, Iowa State had the same season. It's just they couldn't. You know, they had so many like two point losses. Yeah. But same thing though, defense and just incompetence on the other side. Yeah. So uh, where were we going? Like, so with a talent. Yeah. Um, like we're, I mean, what does this look like now? You've got all these like pretty toys, you know, yeah, to play with on uh, offense. Will they use them? Yeah. The See, I think that I think they're giving, they'll give McNamara as much influence as possible. Um, I think they want to throw the ball more. He said that in that December podcast before 
he stopped saying it, but like they want to throw the ball a lot more and air raid. Yeah. Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, no Ferentz. He's calling up that, Dana Holgerson. I mean, Brian Ferentz basically said, we're going to do the same stuff. I mean, and that infuriated everybody and in, in whatever. But late the, here's my defense to them is if, if I would guess if you had Cade McNamara last year, he's not throwing 60% of them in the dirt and sailing. Every, like, and I'm not trying to just no, shit on Spencer Petrus yeah. here, but like you go back and watch those games and there were a lot of plays. It's like, well, you know, instead of a punt, maybe, maybe you get a couple more first downs or I, I don't know. I just, I think it was that bad. Well, it was just a combination of, they did have poor line play last year. And why yeah. is this the strength thing? Like, why have they been so bad? Up uh, that is a good question. They, the main thing I would say is re- just some recruiting misses. They've just had bad, okay. like, you know, they basically bring in three or four offensive linemen every year. And there were a couple years in there where it was just a bunch of whiffs. Um, and I don't, I'm, it's hard to come back from the developmental it program. It is. Yeah. yeah. And so the, they had a lot of young guys playing last year. Uh, and the perfect example of that was the starting center. Wore the same jersey as Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, transition from defensive line, just like Tyler Linderbaum. Absolute uh, strong Iowa kid in Logan Jones. Um, but he just wasn't Tyler Linderbaum last year. And he, I mean, they had trouble with the snaps, you know, for the whole year, basically. Yeah. And, and you know, he it just missed painful. stuff. Like Tyler Linderbaum is like, I think they... I don't want to say they thought this, but I think they thought we did it with Linderbaum. I think we can get pretty close with Jones. Let's roll with Jones all year. And he's an amazing kid. Um, love listening to him talk. One of the best interviews on the team. I think he's going to be way better this year now that he's got a year in. But Linderbaum did it like that. Yeah. He's a freak, man. And, and he's so good. That was in what, 19? Yeah, 2019. And that was a good Iowa team. I mean, that was a really good Iowa team, actually. Um, Nate Stanley's last year, um, they went 10 and three, but you know, probably could have been even better, but anyway, so I think the, so I think line play was just a lot of recruiting misses, but I also think that, I don't know, like, you know, they lost Tim Polisek. Um, they brought in George Barnett. Um, you know, a lot of people want, you know, answers from, you know, their offensive line hasn't been good with Barnett. So, um, now, Kirk stands by him completely. Um, but I do think, like, if you've got the Kirk, you got Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, you got this institution. That's what's so weird. It's That's like, why it is crazy. It's always been there. Yeah. Like, you could always fall back you on could, it. Yeah. But I feel like it's still misleading. Like, they've hardly been a good running team since Sean Green in 2008. There's been a few seasons, but not many. Shocking. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's like offensive line, you like, you think it should be. I think it's 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 basically been a, a average to above average line most years. And last year was just bad. So you combine the a bad line. I mean, they played basically sophomore and freshman, the whole front five basically all year. And with a, a quarterback that cannot move, like probably the least mobile quarterback in the Big Ten and maybe in Iowa. Staggeringly. I mean, yeah. Great kid, great arm, but yeah. uh just you combine those two things and you're just your offense is kind of dead. I mean, they actually ran the ball decent with Caleb Johnson at times, but they still 
you know, end up with the worst total offense in the power five since 2014. How much do you think that this Brian Ferentz quota yeah. is going to be a story week to week next year? I get from your standpoint, like, will you be following it? Like is, or is it a yeah, deal we'll like we'll pick it. up halfway through the year? Uh, I mean, we'll definitely be, if it's like off to a bad start, you know, but they, they get, beat Utah state 10 zero. Yeah. If it's seven, three again with two safeties, then it's like, well, they even get to two twenty five, not three twenty five. I Chad, I, I was so drunk by the end of that game because I had covered an Iowa State game. Was that a two thirty Iowa game? It was right, but it didn't get over until because the lightning. Remember the Utah State oh, game no, last no, year? No, no. Or which game was that? No, you're thinking of Nevada. Nevada blue. That was twenty seven nothing, and yeah. that was like an outburst. I was thinking of Blue Mountain West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. That game was what time it get over? Like two o'clock in the morning, something like that. That was fantastic. Yeah, I was around that. I think we did our podcast like, between three and four a.m. <laughs> with Kennington. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, where were we? So I oh, the, the Brian Ferentz quota. Yeah, yeah, the quota. For those that don't know, basically, yeah. Was what do you mean for so, those who don't know, we have covered it. <laughs> yeah, Hassel's done like twenty hours on this by yeah. now. Contractually speaking, Brian Ferentz. Uh, yeah, uh, took a pay cut of like fifty thousand bucks. So like he's he's only making eight fifty this slumming year. down there at yeah. the below a million. But uh, he gets the he gets uh, his contract restored and up to like whatever nine twenty five or whatever it is. Um, if Iowa wins seven games and Iowa averages twenty five points, and it can be defensive scores as well. So any points. Count. Which is really kind of stupid. Like if you're thinking like just for offensive yeah, output, kind of, but it's kind of a benchmark that, well, they play that complimentary. They play a lot of field thing. position. Yeah, I get it. And I, that I get it. I'm just saying like, it doesn't necessarily mean the offense will be. And that's Kirk. Like yeah. Brian would love to be more aggressive, I think. And Kirk just wants to punt. And they use this Purdue game as a great example of it. Kirk just wants to punt. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a line. Yeah. Line of the show. Yeah. Mark that one down. <laughs> yeah. I get it though. Campbell's the same way. He's he the is. exact same he way. Like, I mean, I don't want I don't cover them, but I've noticed that. No, they're very, very similar as far as how they approach the game. Now I don't think Campbell he's actually um what was the game? I think it was Campbell, where he punted on like fourth and one. It was an Iowa State game. In a really close game, he punted on like a fourth and one, and that was a huge decision. I think it was the was it twenty twenty one game, wasn't it? Yes, up in Ames, like yeah. it was a game. Does that a lot? He did it, you know what? And which is smart against Iowa's offense, but I quit questioning him after it was the game that it was the COVID year where they went, they won nine or whatever game, whatever year that twenty twenty, and they needed to beat Texas to go to the Big Twelve championship game, and Iowa State was down. I want to say like one, I think is what it was. And they're down there in their own territory. And he punted on like fourth and two with like yeah. four minutes to go. Maybe it was a 19. And everybody lost play. their damn mind. And Haycock's defense gets a mm. three and out, pinned them back. They got a fresh four, go down there and win the game. And it was like, these guys aren't idiots. Yeah. They know what they're trying to do. Yeah, he knows if you mess up, you're giving them yeah. the ball at your own at 40. and Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I think my opinion is I don't I think they'll I don't want to say blow past 25 a game, but I think this offense will be 
much improved. And I think they have, they don't have like Ohio state, Michigan on the schedule like they did last year. They have, um, they do have a little bit easier schedule and then you get Utah state, Western Michigan in the first three. Yeah. So, I mean, they could have a hundred points in those two games combined. So pad that thing up, pad it up early, yeah. keep scoring. Um, so I just wanted to do our, a little bit on your, your background too, before we let you go. Cause we could do this Hawkeye stuff. I actually probably should have you in one more time before the, before the season yeah, starts, but I can stay however long you want. I uh, well, I got to do another one. Okay, <laughs> stacked right. up because I'm going on vacation next week. So, all right. I I always looked up to you because I wanted to be in racing. That's all I ever really wanted to do. Like this whole thing kind of just fell into me, um, and that's what you did forever. Before coming to I, before coming back to Iowa, you were at USA Today. You were the NASCAR reporter, or you're the Motor editor, editor. Or you did both, right? Motor like, sports editor, yeah. I don't think a lot of people know this about you that you had this whole other like career before the Iowa thing. Yeah. So, uh, I went, uh, so I covered high schools and the Hawkeyes at the Studio Rapids Gazette in the late 90s. And then, um, I took a job at the Des Moines Register as a copy editor in 2000, worked there for four years, kind of rose the ranks, so to speak. Huge staff back then, <laughs> you know. Just print. Yeah. Uh, like we had like totally know, different 11 world. copy editors. And like I was one of the assistant sports editors at the time, but then just was kind of ready for a life change. So I went to USA Today in 2004. I was there eight years. Uh, long story short. Uh, so I missed all the Lick Lighter years. So that was great. Good. You pl- planned that out. Well. <laughs> I missed some of the worst Iowa football <laughs> years, 2006, 2007. Perfect. Uh, and then I did, yeah, and 12, I missed 12, which was awesome. Yeah, so man. Look I came at you. back. And, Good timing. Yeah. Uh, so I was there eight years. And the, the end of my tenure there, I was motorsports editor for two years, basically. So, uh, you know, being an assignment editor at USA Today, I got, um, you know, my, so my life was motorsports for like all, you know, all the time, you know. So, oh my God, when I found out that you were coming <laughs> to Des Moines, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go and cover NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, and w- what I found out here is uh, yeah, the metrics just are not there to, you know. No, it's a it's and, a popular sport nationwide, but in Iowa, it's very niche. Yeah, I mean, it's very popular. popular I, I yeah, would say it's one of the sure. more popular states for it, but it's still a it's a very niche thing. Do you think that Iowa Speedway will ever get a bigger date, like the way that NASCAR is doing its schedule and stuff like that? Now, I mean, they would have to make a lot of improvements yeah. to the track, obviously. Um, it's kind of a bummer because yeah, it's I, a I great NASCAR track. I NASCAR bought it, like they were just going to like. I did too. Turn it into like a date every year. I, mean, I didn't automatically think this, but I thought they could. Like, why not? Like you're. I always say they need to a do a, track, like a racing. truck or an Xfinity doubleheader with Knoxville and Iowa Speedway. IndyCar does that. Like they'll yeah. do two races in a row that, you know, hey, they're doing that at Iowa. Do it there and then go down there and like, let's, let's work together a little bit on this thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, <laughs> I Wait, that's how we got to know each other. That is. Yeah. I remember sitting were... at that night at Raccoon River yeah. Brewing. Yeah. And we just talked racing for about three hours. Yeah. You were living like a hotel at that point, weren't you? Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It was out by, I know where it is. I don't know what it's called, but. No, out, I, out I, in like uh, Urbandale, basically. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I just, I appreciate you, man. Like, I, you're a good friend, and we, I don't think I'll, the listeners probably don't know this, but we've, we've gone on like NASCAR trips together, and yeah, we got to get you back to Knoxville. You got to call we Kirk got- Ferentz and say to stop scheduling <laughs> the stupid kids' day. Just cancel the damn thing. The kids yeah. have multiple opportunities to see the team now, and we need to go to the Knoxville Nationals again. I would like. I'm getting really tired of your work getting in the way of our fun. Well, you, I, I don't know. Campbell's pretty tight, right? Like closed, closed off. Yes, like you very can't go much. To practice really. None of those. No. So that that's why it's the kids' day is the one single practice we can go to. In the why fall. do they do it on the day of the Knoxville Nationals? Because they are routine driven, and I they haven't said it yet this year, but I guarantee it's going to be that day. Because <laughs> we used to do this, and it was the best day of the year. We had it like, I can make it for like the B main probably or something like that. But then I miss all the, you miss all the fun. The fun is before the races. (laughs) I'll never forget sitting out there. um, The night that Tony Stewart had that accident with that guy. We were there. Well, and it was fun to watch you get into like work mode. Yeah. Cause weren't you, I wasn't covering, but I was like, I knew we had a reporter up there that I was sports editor at the time. So I was kind of messing. You had Andy Hamilton. I think it he was, was Hamilton, yeah. Han- Hamilton. So he's asking, like, who won it? Uh, well, who Shots did. Yeah, he always wins. Yeah, and That's, he worked for yeah. Tony Stewart. So, yeah. like, and then I remember Andy telling me, like, he asked, like, question. Luke Meredith actually told me this. Because, yeah. like, the story, unfortunately, when that happens, is not Donnie Shots wins the Knoxville Nationals. The story is Tony Stewart just killed a guy and his driver just won this. we got to get a quote from him. Yeah. Everybody in the country is waiting for this. And... Luke told me he like, you know, cause he's associated press. He has no dog in the fight. He just asked the question and he got booed. Yeah. The cause they have, they have fans and beer in there. It's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> can you imagine that? Have fans and beer in the, you know, oh, post game presser. With they Kurt. should not allow that. That's a bad, no. <laughs> they will not. No. That's a bad, that's a really bad mix, yeah. especially the, the dirt track crowd. Like it's just a total of the other. Yeah. Not world. criticizing at all. I, love I mean, it. yeah, I love it. it's great. <laughs> It's That's my what, world. Yeah, yeah. It's my world. Yeah. No, that was that was a that was a great race. That was a good memory. We sat on the back stretch. Brian Brown had a almost won it, and I was like, I, I think we I got, might have had Brian Brown in the pool, our little pool or whatever. I reckon we got some Casey's pizza that night as well. <laughs> I reckon we did. Yeah. No good memories. Uh, my favorite one was when we went down to Kansas. Yeah. The Column Brothers got us the the hookup with the Furniture Row team that year. Yeah. Remember five that? Hour, I had, I had bet right? on Truex, and we were on his rig, and he won. Yeah. It was a great day. Yeah. Great memory. Good times. Yeah. Well, we'll do it again. I appreciate you. You guys can read Chad's work. Always get yourself a Des Moines Register subscription. You got a text group, too, right? This is interesting. Yeah. So you, just, like, uh, you just send out like notes to these people? Yeah. I haven't been while I'm on vacation, so I apologize, but I'll get back into it Monday, folks. Okay. But, uh, uh, yeah. The, yeah. It's uh, subscribers only. You get... Um, register subscribers or digital or print, whatever. Um, yeah, you can sign up for it. It comes with a subscription. So. Oh, cool. I mean, yeah, you don't have to do anything. You just How come I don't up. get on this text group? Well, do you want a bunch of Hawkeye texts all the time? Probably not, Mr. Cycle. No, I don't think I want that. <laughs> I get enough. You can, though. I get enough yeah. of it from freaking hassle. Here's what time. I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Appreciate Sources. you. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. our uh, too. listeners here. Share, like, subscribe. All that good stuff. Thanks for watching on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Where else are we at? We're on TikTok. Um, you do a great job, man. I appreciate you. You're the you. man. I appreciate you. He's Chad Lysko. I'm Chris Williams. Have a great weekend, guys. Take care.
Iowa everywhere.